Hello and welcome back to the In and Round podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Werner, and joining me this week, like every week, is Mikey Breslin. Hello. And Dangerous Dave Harris. Hello. Brilliant. How are you, chaps? You all right? Yeah, not bad. Um, enjoyed some of the football this evening, so it's not, not all bad. Yeah. Dave, yourself? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, maybe not so much after being called Dangerous on the in the intro, but... Uh, Otherwise, pretty good, Will, to be honest. You are dangerous. Dangerous. How, how are you, Will? I'm absolutely shattered. Um, and I also, I feel like I went into cardiac arrest watching the last five minutes of that Chelsea game. So there we are. Um, let's move on, however. Um, this week's episode of podcast, we're going to talk about two teams who are challenging for the top four slash top five. We're going to be talking about um, Nuno's Warriors over in Wolverhampton. Oh, what a team! What a team! And then we're going to be talking about Brendan Rogers, um, <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde, Leicester side. To be honest, um, but first, I guess the question is, lads, of these two teams, who do you see making a late push for the top four? Well, if you're talking about late pushes, the only one that can really do that's Wolves. Yeah, but you know what I mean, because they're both they're both sort of skirting on the edge of it to you if out of the two which one looks more likely right now to get in well I'd say Wolves Wolves have momentum and Leicester just well it's hell of a bottle job it looks like it's going to be to be honest mm-hmm. and they yeah. don't have particularly out of their final games I'd say Bournemouth maybe the only one where they could expect to pick up three points mm-hmm. Mike so um yeah, they've got a tough run of fixtures, actually. Um, I still think Leicester in the driver's seat as, as such. Um, obviously, they're six points clear of of uh, Wolves at the moment um, and in fourth spot. But United, obviously, are chasing them down. Wolves are, as I said, six points back and they'll have a game on Wednesday just before this comes out. So we'll see how they get on there. That'll be interesting. Um <laughs> But as Dave said, they've been a lot in better form since the restart. I think Leicester have picked up uh, five points from five games, whereas Wolves have picked up ten points in four matches. Um, so if that sort of form was to continue, obviously you'd expect Wolves to be the ones that might make it, particularly if it's going to be a top five. It's a very good point. Yet. Very good point. But so let's start with Nuno's men. Um, Dave, they've had a tremendously long season, and to even get to this point where they are um, in the hunt for the top four, given their bad start, is quite remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, I, I remember at the start of the season, um, they weren't playing particularly well. With the, it looked like, as we've seen with a lot of teams, to be honest, that that make Europe for the first time in a while. Um, Looked like they were going to be unable to balance the extra congestion of fixtures. Uh, they started off pretty poorly, didn't really win many games at all at the start of the no. season. They were just sort of scraping draws, getting a few a few losses really. Um, but yeah, if given how they were in August September, to see them where they are now, it's it's been quite the turnaround, and they end up they ended up going a fair distance in the Europa League in the end. Yeah, but they're still um, in it. They're still in it. Are they still yeah. in it? Yeah, they got yep. the away goal at Olympiacos. 
they'll, they'll bring back to Molyneux if and when that competition. Oh, returns. that's why I was I was looking earlier at fixtures and I couldn't see any upcoming for the for that. So I wasn't actually sure if they were still in there. So to be quite honest. Um, just apologies to any listener who's watched a Wolves game on Sky because I'm about to regurgitate a stat that Sky is absolutely fond of telling you. You know, if Wolves make it all the way to the Europa League final, their season will have been 13 months long. <laughs> 13 months long. And I know they. So they started in the qualifying in July, right? Yeah. They had a three month break in the middle of there where no one was really playing football, but they were still um, dodging a deadly virus. So we'll give them that. Um, but I'll tell you what, Brez. If you're looking at a team that you wouldn't like to face in a cup competition over two legs, a defensively sound, pacey Wolverhampton team is probably not a bad, <laughs> not one you'd like to face. Um, can you see them doing damage in the Europa League from here well, on out? I, I haven't seen the odds and I, to be honest, can't exactly remember who's still in the, uh, the last 16 of the Europa League. But I imagine they must be one of the top four, maybe. They'd expect to get at least to the semis, I'd have thought. Pretty frightening prospect. They've got to have a good chance. I think United wouldn't want to draw them. I'll tell you that, and I certainly wouldn't want to watch those two legs. Yeah, I tell you what, you you talk, want to talk about a couple of low quality games this season? I feel like Man United and Wolves have played about seven times. Yeah, it feels like that. <laughs> and every time I've had an early night watching them. Like <laughs> honestly, I just want to go to bed after every time I see I see Andreas Pereira run out onto the pitch to face up against Dave's favourite left back Matt Doherty. Um, I knew that was coming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, um, but I think the interesting thing is with Wolves, so much of their success, Dave, is like sort of predicated on their defence. And I know that you're a massive fan of a certain centre half. There, so do you want to take this moment to talk to, talk to us about him? I hope you mean, uh, well, I don't know. Well, uh, yeah, I'm not sure because I like both Connor Cody and Willie Bolly, to be honest. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not actually sure which one you're alluding to. I'm going to yeah. have to go with Cody, given Bolly yeah. was injured for a lot of this season. Yeah. Um, yeah, Connor Cody, to be honest, has really sort of developed into a, a player that's perfect for Wolves' style. He's mm. pretty good on the ball. He's um, well. He's just pretty good defensively, but he also has that sort of confidence on the ball that you see from in in this day and age of the more top teams, the higher quality teams, and the the Premier League as a whole. Um, I think he's seems to be a pretty good captain. I think he seems mm-hmm. to hold the team together. I guess they. Whenever you watch Wolves, he's always barking at them all to be honest which I think usually is the sign of a pretty good captain um, unless Gwendozy was a captain where he'd just be telling them how much he gets paid compared to them but <laughs> don't think he'll be a captain of any team soon um, I think the thing with Wolves is that blows me away with them is obviously having not even in the well in the pretty recent past having watched them dice it with dice with St Andrews oh Demolish us at St Andrews most seasons they're in the championship. Having watched them be basically not much better than us, maybe even like five, six seasons ago, and now they're one of the most well-oiled teams, I would say, in the Premier League. Like their their squad's very efficient. It's not a big squad, mm. particularly. But they yeah. play a very good style of football and all of the players. I guess they're able to play it. They're all 
they're basically all perfect fit to the the system. Looking at yeah. their first team squad, there's not it's not a single player that you think, oh, I don't know if he can come in and, and do something. Mm-hmm. They've got some fantastic players, Ruben Neves, to be honest. I've, when they signed him in the championship, I couldn't believe it. When we're we've got Kifton Bell and David Davis, and they've got Ped, they've got Ruben Neves, I just wow, what a mismatch. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and there's probably a, we'll come on to how you how a Champions League spot could help Wolves in a minute. But before we do that, let's just make sure we give our props to Player of the Month nominee Connor Cody. Mike, as a former centre half yourself, what do you think of him? Oh, he's class, isn't he? He is class. Yeah. Um, just no, well, obviously no nonsense. Put his body on the line, um, but he can read the game really well. Mm. So he tends to be exactly where he needs to be when he needs to be there, um, which is a sign of a very good player, particularly at that level. I wanted to just quickly go back on something that Dave was saying. I think it makes it shows how good they really are that with such a small squad, they're still yeah. Well, they're still in such good form. I know we've had a three-month break, but even before the break, they were playing really well. It's a good football. Um, and they're, they're still putting on cracking performances, even with... I don't even know how many you'd... Well, I don't recognise some of the names on their bench um, <laughs> against Arsenal. So that shows you how small the squad is. That they. Yeah. Having to fill the bench with some youngsters. Yeah, and I suppose it's a it's a good point to move on to their style and a bit. So Wolves play Wolves play three at the back, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. And a lot of team three at the back is a very weird um, formation for me. Um, obviously, you've seen it work wonders in the Premier League. We've seen it work wonders with with um, Conte's um, three four three, and Wolves sort of play a mixture of three five two to three four three, and it's all very confusing. However, I will say I don't think I've ever seen a team so moulded and suited to the formation as Wolves. Um, I just think that their style is sometimes not the most eye catching, but it's certainly effective. Um, how do we feel about it? Do you think that? But do you think because obviously with Chelsea. And they had the much more talented players, and even they ran into a a problem with creating against some of the low blocks. And certainly this season, we've seen for Wolves that uh, a lack of ability to score goals in tight games has cost them. They've got an unbelievable amount of draws, actually more draws than the Invincibles had. But we'll just throw that out there. Um, but what do you think, lads? Do you think that perhaps a stylistic change, while maybe not the best thing? could actually benefit them in some of their teams against the low blocks, for example. The Villas, the Bournemouths of this world, things like that. I I think with Wolves, they've got so much quality going forward that sometimes I watch them, uh, and if they do play a lesser team, I just wish they'd go more attacking, I guess. Yeah. Um, like Players like Adama Traore, Diego Jota, Raul Jimenez are just... Even Ruben Neves, I guess, they're all pretty exciting players to watch. Sometimes you just want them to to run at Courtney Hawes and, and have him spinning around for 90 minutes. But they're so drilled. I mean, they that, did. <laughs> yeah, and I they mean, would. <laughs> I, mean, but, I mean, but even then, it's still like, even when Wolves play a team like that, they're still very disciplined to the system, I always feel. They're just maybe yeah. allowed to express themselves a bit more than they would against 
a higher team just because of the quality they have. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, when they play so many games as they have this season, I think it's maybe props to Nuno for making them play the same way for the entire season because it means whoever they come up against, there's there's a strict style. I mean, we've mentioned it before on the pod with Solskjaer at United maybe not being sure of a style. Mm-hmm. I'd say Nuno's probably the complete opposite. You know exactly how his team's going to play. Very good point. As long as the players are fit, you can probably name the 11 every week. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I'd say that I'd say that the style that he's implemented, and this is a style that he implemented even in the championship, like as exciting as they were to watch and as many big wins they got that season, they still, in terms of goals scored, they, they had some games they just demolished people. They still played with the same sort of discipline. So I think particularly with Ruben Neves, one reason that he's been able to, not that he wasn't already an exceptional player, but the reason he's been able to come on, I'd say, every season in the Premier League after being a standout player in the Championship is because he's playing exactly how he did in the Championship. He just has better quality around him now in the same mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. Players doing what every other player around him, like Halder Costa and Cavallaro, were doing when he arrived. He just has better quality players doing what they do now. Um, obviously, Raul Jimenez up top is... Mm-hmm. Well, he's, he's fantastic. T- so he's just another... I- Another cog. I'll have 20 minutes on Raul Jimenez later because I bloody love him. But um, before we get there, I think at this point at the style mark, probably worth having a quick chat about Nuno because um, when the Arsenal job was up for grabs, he was heavily linked with it. Um, and the Arsenal themselves now playing three at the back, which is particularly yeah. interesting. Um, he's done an unbelievable job. Um, do you think he can take Wolves if they get? So if they get Champions League this season, is that the peak of Wolverhampton Wanderers in the Premier League? Do you think Nuno can take them any further? Or do you think this is a case of we're vastly approaching a ceiling? Uh, I I think it would be hard, but um, given the context that it's George Mendes, isn't it? The, yeah, it is. Yeah, the agent that they're... Given some of the contacts, you would imagine he'd be able to pull some strings to get again, to get more good players in the door. If you can keep building and you don't lose Jimenez and you try Ore and whoever else people might be after, because you got into the Champions League, that might save them having to cash in on them, mm. for example. In which case you could maybe build, but I don't, I can't see them being able to push for a title but top they could be top four contenders again mm. I think although as we discussed last week a lot of the teams are going to get better you would think yeah. it's going to be I think next season's top four is going to be really hard to get into mm. um, but for Nuno let's try and we'll take a step back and actually look at uh, how much how big an achievement this is because um, we've seen a lot of times in the past that people sh- there's, if you think about Wolves and you think about all the the positives for them this season, coming into the season, you knew that a couple of the squads were going to have transition seasons and this probably represented your best chance at cracking into that top four. That being said, 
Wolves were not particularly well set up to be able to make a push to do for that, given how taxing we know the Europa League is on teams, particularly with the squad size of Wolverhampton. And a lot of them have the hangover effect of the the Sunday to Thursday, the Sunday to Thursday, Sunday to Thursday. I, for one, hate it. Absolutely hate it. It's it's terrible. Um, So with that context being said... um, if it wasn't for the wonderful work of Jurgen Klopp, if it wasn't for the wonderful work of Chris Wilder, who is a probably less manager of the year now, um, would we be hearing more Nuno buzz for manager of the year, do you think? I mean... I'd have, I'd have thought so. I'm still a bit blown away that this is a guy that took a team from the championship to seventh in their first season up, and this season is their second season up. True. Managing European football when they could repeat the same fit, feat or possibly even fit. Yeah, I, I know that's not, <laughs> it's not gone well. Um, <laughs> he could even scrape the Champions League. So for him to have done that blows me away. In terms of them building and you worrying about them maybe hitting a ceiling, I feel like Wolves are raising their own ceiling every every year good point i don't they they seem to be a pretty run well-run club in terms of finances if they were to progress further they would essentially have more income from you know like competition tv money xyz i could only see them growing from here the only thing the only things that i can see stopping walls would be a change of ownership of the club nuno leaving or Maybe even Jorge Mendes sort mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. cutting ties and we'd see the effect of him not being enough yeah. signings. But if they were to make the Champions League, they'd be able to make good signings anyway because most top players want to play in the Champions League. So, Yes, that is true. But um, well, we've, I think I think it's worth, it's worth noting two things about what you've said. One is that while Wolves were a championship club, they weren't really a championship club, were they? As we've, they did have, although they were playing in the championship, they were a Premier League level club. Oh, with they absolutely some, whacked everyone that year. With some, of the, with some of the players from Premier League level players, such as. Um, the, Matinho, was it? Or Neves? No, no, I mean. There's Neves is who I'm trying to find. I'm just going to say the season before they went up, they came 15th in the league, and Paul Lambert kept them up. Basically yeah. against the odds. Yeah, and then so, and they were fourteenth the season before that. Like they, they had, and they were in League One. Yeah, not long before they haven't. Yeah, but the soon- fact that he's brought them back to this level, in fact, to a level that is above where Wolves have been for a long, 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 long time, is, I think, it, even as a Birmingham City fan, it really only adds to the level of achievement that this yeah. guy and the whole club have pulled off. Very, very impressive achievement, and I'm not taken away from that. What I am saying is, once they had the takeover, once they had those players in the club, once they had yeah. a manager of Nuno's quality, they were, for all respects, they were no longer a championship-level club. doesn't mm-hmm. matter what they'd done the season before. Once that had come in, that's a drastic shift. True. It's just it's such an incredible shift. That it's, it's pretty much them going, from, them going from 20th to 7th is less surprising for me. Um, it's pretty unbelievable that some of those players were actually playing in the championship when they were. It is, and I mean, it's only really comparable to when uh, Paul Jill bought the uh, the mighty Wigan Athletic up. 
mate. It's a good tenth. They only lost to a Hernan Crespo goal on the first day of the season, I believe. Absolute cracking strike. Um, I suppose now. Oh, Joe, remember him? Oh, Joe, what a manager. Oh Even God. Steve Keane, forgotten heroes. Phil um, Brown. I'm not having us not bring up Phil Brown and Paul if we're talking Phil about Brown. those sort of managers. Phil Brown was shite and always looked like he should be selling used dishwashers out the back of his mum's car. Although he did my favourite team talk ever. On the pitch. The on the pitch one, which back Which Bullard. Just massively. Yeah. And then Bullard did that celebration. Yep. Um, okay, time to have a sort of think about Wolves' next steps in terms of the revolution. Two things to note here. This podcast is not sponsored by The Athletic, but there is a wonderful article on there about how Wolves could do a Napoli and get into the top four. I have read it this by this week, by the way. Rem- remarkably interesting. Um, I'm glad you've read it because I have, and I just saw the headline. <laughs> I just thought that's a really interesting topic. I'll, I'll read that later and then never got around to it. Um, Wolves, when they came up, sort of had this idea. I tell you what, I'm just going to quickly tan- tangent aside. I was watching a talk sport clip from when Villa um, had just clinched promotion. And the bloke on there was waffling about how Villa were going to be a top four club. Why would Tammy oh, go back to Chelsea? They're not going to be a, a top six club. However, there's a really interesting statement in there from one of the TalkSport anchors in which he said Wolves' owners set out the statement that within seven years, we're going to win the Premier League title. Bold statement. But that's clearly the path they're on. Getting top four doesn't necessarily guarantee you get top four every year. But for a club like Wolves in terms of setting a culture... Is this where we see another club, or not do a City, but do more like a measured step than City and Chelsea to an extent did in terms of securing themselves as a major destination for players, Bryce? Do you think that would have such a big impact on the club if they actually made the top four? If they could make the top four, yeah. Um, like, like I was saying, if they can hang on to their good players, they've got Champions League football, the ground is... Is fine, maybe needs a little bit of updating, but it's big enough. You've got Nuno there, who I would imagine would attract players. Obviously, particularly Portuguese players, I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, given the whole agent situation there. Um, it, it certainly could be a destination, provided they don't have to live in Wolverhampton. <laughs> <laughs> That's a remarkably good point. Um, Dave, yeah, I had to get that in there, sorry. <laughs> I'm sure the city of Wolverhampton will eventually forgive you. Dave, um, for yourself, do, can you, do you see that them breaking into the top four for this season could be a massive culture change? In similar in a way, maybe to Leicester making Champions League after winning the title, however, on a much smaller scale. I think... Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I think maybe the culture shift for Wolves, one big thing would be what people expect of them. Because last season, if you're a Wolves fan, you're like, oh, we... And everyone, you're like, oh, Wolves have had a cracking season. Can they repeat it? If you repeat it, people for the, the third season, which would be next year, will be expecting you to be a different club, no longer sort of a a team that's overperforming, you're performing, well then your expectation would be to probably make the Europa League next year. Um, is that not their expectation this season though? Yeah, but the thing is, everyone, everyone, as we said, was like, how are they going to manage the game? So if they hadn't done as well, people would have had a 
you'd be like, oh, Wolves didn't do as well as last year, but obviously it's going to be hard for them to manage the game. So X, Y and Z, if they overcome that and make the Europa League again or even the Champions League, people will then ex- maybe start to expect them to do it every season because that's the biggest hurdle you can have as making European football. Like when Burnley made to Europe, they, they didn't really adjust to the same level um, that Wolves have managed to do. Um, I think also with Wolves, the cultural shift is maybe the patience of the owners. If they feel they've got them to a certain level and they, they want to win the league, mm-hmm. as owners, they might have to take steps where they believe that you know they're either going to have to throw a lot of money at players or and that can backfire as we've seen with marquee signings. So I think the whole club would have to take themselves more seriously and rather as an outsider team take themselves as a, an actual top four or top six team and that obviously will always have changes for mm. just the mentality of the entire club from from top to bottom mm. i think that would be a mistake actually throwing money at it right now i think it would be too but i think it would be that's what a lot of teams do yeah it is what a lot of teams do i think if you're ahead of the plan that's a good thing but just stick with your plan i mean yep. I remember Leicester's owners saying about winning the Premier League within five years or whatever years it was. I remember laughing and they did it. So <laughs> Yeah, not because not of any plan, just because they signed an absolute magician from um, France to play in the middle of the park and he won them a title. And they got yeah. Tinkerman in the dugout. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, dilly ding, dilly dong. It is interesting though because Leicester's title win sort of opened the door for them to sign probably into another bracket of players. But again, you're not pushing yourselves into the bracket of players that typical top four challengers are going for. I mean, take yeah. you would argue that top even Tottenham, the lowly, lowly Tottenham, have access to a better class of players than your your Leicester do. I mean, their recruitment's not been as good, but you'd say they probably have more of a more access. I mean, let's look at Leicester's. The, I think the, that's still the case. Let's look at the coups for Leicester, really, because Leicester are probably their closest to club in terms of stature, you'd say, to Wolves, despite the Premier League title. Um, you've got Ricardo Pereira, who's probably one of the best right backs in the league. They got yeah. him on a coup. Um, they got access to a very young, um, talented Tielemans who was bandied around for all the world to see. But then. They're still signing from the lower leagues. You're all sort of picking up your new James Madisons from um, Norwich. Norwich, that's where he was. Um, so for Wolves... Yeah, they brought in Damari Gray from Blues. Yeah, so here's my question. Wolves are already shopping in that kind of market. So would a top... My, my question is just, would a top four win, other than the culture shift, actually affect their um, chances to get things in the, the market? But we will wait and see. Um, it wouldn't be a conversation about Wolves on the In Around podcast without taking um, a significant chunk of time to talk about the man, the myth, the legend, Raul Jimenez. Um, Raul Jimenez linked with um, Manchester United the last couple of weeks. He's 29. My question is for you two is not... Raul him is not if Raul Jimenez is a good player because he fucking is. There's <laughs> your um, explicit. He just fucking is. Don't ask stupid questions. Um, but is the fact that he's 29, peak of his career, going to be a lot of money? We've seen top clubs recruitment shift to stars who are 
25, 24, just about to hit their peak. Um, is that a massive godsend for Wolves in terms of keeping this team together? Is I he think the it probably, for the probably is, particularly for Jimenez. I don't know that many teams at the moment, would, as you say, they're looking more for the younger players um, that they might, if they wanted to, sell on f- for more in the future or they can obviously develop into world beaters. Jimenez is already, well, yeah, 29. Mm-hmm. He's pretty much at his apex, you would imagine. He's maybe got a couple more years, maybe at this level, left in him, mm. um, which I think you would assume would put most teams off. Clearly, United are still doing what United do. And, uh <laughs> <laughs> really United seventy mil, something like that. Oddly, oddly, oddly enough, uh, oddly enough, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think that's the best deal in the world for seventy million. I do think Raúl Jiménez is a player who'd be fantastic for United because we talk about um, all-around strikers for top for modern clubs. Um, we've sort of gone away from the Gary Lineker fox in the box, Francis Jeffers kind of poacher thing. And we've moved, Francis, we've seen ourselves move towards um, more Roberto Firmino, someone who can link play. I mean, obviously, everyone would like them to be able to score a goal at home in a calendar year. That being said, <laughs> in the Premier League, that is, sorry. Um, that being said, that is the way we're sort of trending. Um, and Raul Jimenez's link-up play, Mark, is particularly good, isn't it? Very, very good. Him and uh, Traore in particular have been just disgustingly lethal together. I think I think is is it ten goals that Troy always assisted him and S for or something stupid or maybe between something them. Like that, yeah. Yeah. Something absolutely ludicrous, which is the most in the league for a pair. Um mm. they're just a joke. Obviously you've got Neves Matinho supplying balls to Jimenez as well and then he can get it wide. Mm. I'm interested to see who they get to replace Moutinho because he's like 34 now, isn't he? I think that might be their big dive into the market for someone, perhaps. Yeah, not a lot of players who are probably going to be able to do what he no, does. No, agreed. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, Dave, um, I think one of the most interesting things, and so a lot of times on this podcast, we'll... Um, I've uh, I've sat up here and I've shouted at Pep Guardiola for buying a fullback for eighty million rather than coaching his starting players. Um, I can't really do that with Nuno because um, he's coached Adama Traore into possibly one of the most feared wingers in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, Adama, is he ready for a move to a bigger club? I. I think so, but it's weird with Adama because I've watched him play. Well, I've seen him play for Villa and Middlesbrough, where he wasn't particularly great. The only time I saw him really take off at Middlesbrough was at the Championship yeah. with Tony Pulis. Um, obviously, he's still quite young, still only 23. 23, I think, yeah. Yeah, he... 24, according to who scored. Just quickly... <laughs> oh, yeah, he is. Side now. Now, yeah. According to who scored, he weighs 72 kilos, which means he weighs pretty much this, what I weigh. Now, if if we put pictures on our, our <laughs> social medias of me and oh, him... No offence, Mike. Bollocks. That cannot be true. Um, Just two tangents here. Number one, 
Ben Donker said in an interview that um, uh, Adama Traore doesn't do weights. Uh, Lies. Doesn't do weights at, um, at the training ground, which when Sky repeated that, that prompted my brother to shout, well, he must have a must have a fucking great big uh, gym at home then, um, which made me laugh. And the second one is, um, I remember going to the villa and one of the great excitements for uh, my dad was that we would sit there and he'd be like, is he bringing on Adama? Because Adama would come on with nine minutes to go looking for an impact goal. He'd make three high-intensity sprints down the wing and then he would wander around for the rest of the game, absolutely gassed. Um, so to see him go from that to what he is now, which is a, a still an absolute beast, a specimen, but with actual tangible end product, is quite impressive. And I think is another testament to Nuno's coaching job. That's definitely the biggest thing change I've seen in Triore is his end product. Mm. Yeah, that's what it's he was always so, so much better. He could always yeah. beat a man. It was just he'd never put the ball where he needed to go for his strikers. Yeah. Um. So Wolves are. In- Possibly one of the most, it's quite weird, they're actually one of the most interesting teams, I think, in the top five in terms of, they're at a crossroads, and it'll be interesting to revisit it few, maybe a few seasons' time when you sort of look at them and see where they've actually got to. Um, now, while they may be on an upwards spring, shall we say, towards the top four, a team that's certainly on a downward spring is um, Brendan Rodgers' Leicester City. Um, <laughs> I don't really know where to begin here. And I'm sort of hoping that one of you two is going to be, answer, be able to answer this question. Um, what did they drink at Christmas to make it go all wrong? Well, I'm I not sure, but I don't or, like it. Well, yeah, it must have been. It was about Christmas, wasn't it, when they... So they lost to must Liverpool. Must a hell of a party at Vardy's. <laughs> they lost to mm. Liverpool on Boxing Day 4-0, was it? Which um, ever, a fair enough result. <laughs> and ever since then, it's all seemed to have gone a bit, a bit pear-shaped. I mean... They were, they they drew tonight against Arsenal one one on what seems to be a very controversial Jamie Vardy goal. Suspicions are offside. Um, they turned up tonight. Brendan Rodgers had turned, taken his back two of, his really solid back two of Soyuncu and Evans, put them in a back three, was trying to play Inacho at left wing back, and it it just was baffling. It was baffling that. They just seem to have fallen apart. They don't seem to know what they're good at anymore. I am not sure at left wing back. That's what he looked like to me. Did he, did he pull the positions out of a, a hat? Christ. Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. Um, Mike, I suppose it's all to be said. If Leicester don't make the top four after being so good for most of the season... Are we asking serious... I, know, I don't want to be one of those people who jumps on managers' backs, but are we asking serious questions about Brendan Rodgers? Uh, I, I don't think so, to be honest. Um, I think where they where they were was probably a false position, given the squad mm-hmm. that they actually have, which is a very, very good squad, I would yep. say. Um, whether it was second in the league, which is where they were for quite a while, I, I would say not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd probably not even, maybe not even get in the top form. I don't know. You could argue with that. But I think they were always punching above their weight. And now that we've seen them, obviously, kind of drop off a cliff since Christmas. Not even that. They've kind of just been 
they'll they'll turn up and beat Villa four 0 and then next week they'll lose to Southampton two one or something. <laughs> Danny Ings led Southampton, Mike. Come on. <laughs> yeah, true. They're on the rise. That's probably not the best team to pick, but I think it's not been great. But it's still if they finished fifth or sixth, which is yeah. about the worst they can do from here it will still have been a pretty good season for Leicester, I would suggest. Yeah, so they've only they've picked up, what, uh, 21 points from 16 games? Yeah, I just, I just, I know that's, that's pretty bad, but I don't, I think... That's... Relegation form, Yeah, almost. that's relegation form about that. In a normal season, you say you need to get 21 points. 21 from 16? Oh, they stay up, that's like... Yeah, you would stay up, you would stay up, you would... Mm. Yeah, it, I don't know. It just it feels worse because it does they feel started worse. so what, well. That's what I'm the trying. games they win, they don't feel like they should win them. Yeah, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that they were doing, they were punching so far above where they should have been that now we have too high expectations. Maybe I don't know if that's really the case. Dave, do you think Leicester were punching above their weight? Or maybe do, I'm wrong. Or do you, I, yeah, I definitely agree that first half of the season they were punching with their weight. I would say, um, I think they had what thirty nine points in the first seventeen or eighteen games. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say they were punching with their weight, but I'd I guess with Leicester the fact that. I think it's more disappointing because the last time they punched above their weight so much, they carried it for an entire season and won the league. Mm-hmm. So people thought that Leicester starting well, it was going to stay. Obviously, not. I don't think anyone thought they were going to win the league this year, but people thought that <laughs> Leicester, Leicester playing well. Statement of the year today. <laughs> I, cer- I certainly didn't think they were going <laughs> to. Well, I like that, Dave. Keep going. Yeah, keep but what I, what I mean is that people thought that Leicester started well they would probably be able to keep it up for most of the season um, just because of the way they were playing and how confident they were at the start On when you watch Leicester play they were absolutely smashing teams they beat Southampton 9-0 all the players looked like they were you know basically enjoying playing and just playing positive football but since Christmas, that sort of energy has been zapped out of them. I've what most yeah. times I've watched Leicester, especially since the restart, they don't really know, don't really look like they know what they're doing. Or if no. what they're doing doesn't work, they don't know what else to try. Is what I feel no. when I watch them. Um, to I guess there's two points here. Um, Mike, um, one of our favourite stats. Um, at the start of the season with how much Jamie Vardy was outperforming his XG and how much um, Leicester were outperforming their XG. Um, it's a bit more of a regression to the mean now. He's clearly not doing that anymore. So that probably does back your point that they've just probably finally getting to the point where they, they should be. I was just about to make this point. So that's a great little segue from you. Um, there you go. Thank you. I do try. Excellent work. This well, that's something controversial. So you, you go on this first. <laughs> OK. Um, yeah, I mean, we did say around about Christmas time, probably how much Vardy was outperforming his XG. He's still five and a half goals better than what he should be. Mm. Leicester also rely heavily on the amount of goals Vardy scores. 
which means when they do start drying up, which they have a little bit, there's not many goals to come from elsewhere. Their next top scorer is, is Iosi Perez on seven, and Vardy's got uh, 22. We'll come on to right. We'll come on to starting Perez in a minute. Um, yep. So, I mean, they've obviously got lots of good players, but they need Vardy to be banging them in, and when he's not, they're not going to get as many results. Obviously. Mhm. So. Now you can go controversial. It's not really controversial. Um, I think I think the the coaching job that's going on at Leicester the second half of the season has been abysmal. Um, I don't think Leicester were overperforming to be third in the league. Um, I think clearly at the start of the season, we probably had an inflated opinion of what Tottenham were. Probably thought Tottenham were going to be in the top four coming off a Champions League final. However, if you look closer, there was a their domestic form was in tatters. Arsenal were. Arsenal link had a manager we weren't particularly happy with, hadn't addressed their defence. Chelsea had a rookie manager, were bringing through a rookie load of players. They had a transfer ban. Man United had a pretty inexperienced manager and they hadn't yet bought Bruno Fernandes, who's looking every day like he's an absolute star. So, you've got Leicester, who Brendan Rodgers is an experienced hand. You've got a great striker in Vardy. You've got a good balance in the team. They're another year older. The only real question was, how are you replacing Maguire? Um, other than that, you're looking really nicely set up for a top four run. So when they were playing out at the start of the season, when they were that far ahead and they weren't scrapping for it, I was a bit surprised. And now they're scrapping for it. But if they don't make it, I think they would. They can look back at this season as an absolutely huge disappointment because let's not forget they're both, they're at both the cups too. They didn't it have be a disappointment from where they were. They didn't have, but it's a disappointment. I'm saying it's a disappointment at the start of this season. If you're an ambitious club like Leicester, you've got to look at this and you've got to say, look, all these other teams are transitioning. This is the time to make a play for the top four. This is a it time where it's a, a realistic opportunity. Yeah, definitely it would have been, I imagine, they would have talked about it as, yeah, their goal, given where the other teams theoretically could be. But did we really think Arsenal and Spurs were going to be this bad? I thought Arsenal would be. I, I thought Spurs would be better than they were, but it was clearly concerns with Spurs. Yeah, I suppose Chelsea have maybe been, well, I guess 60 points, probably about where we thought they might end up. Oh, because I thought... Maybe Chelsea- a touch better. I thought Chelsea would be seventh. seventh. I I thought Chelsea would be the would be comfortably out of their depth. I just I did I I didn't trust the the young players at Chelsea perform way better than I thought they would. They've got yeah, a bad that's true actually yeah bad keeper shoddy defence and I don't I can't ever you can't ever feel like you can ever rely on really young teams to score goals which always feels like a daft statement but that's just where it was. I was really worried about United. I thought they've got. Yeah, I was worried I thought about United too. Selling, selling Lukaku is a huge deal. I mean, it turns out that it hasn't mattered as much, but and they and their managers sort of bringing it together. But I was worried about these teams, and I thought this was actually a real chance for Leicester to push on, finish fourth certainly, maybe make a play for third. And the fact that we're talking about them as looking at them as having the second hardest schedule, I think, left of these teams making this play. Um. It just feels like this is a mass. If they were to miss out, it's a massive missed opportunity. And I feel like I feel like you do actually at that point have to ask questions about the manager because obviously, if the tactics aren't working, we've seen Rogers tinker tonight, but 
he's tinkering in ways that I feel like are hurting the team. Dave, am I being harsh? I, I sort of get both sides, sir. I think given Leicester came ninth last year, they'd be looking to push on and just make top six, really. And that would be Europa League, you're back in Europe. It's like, I don't think any Leicester fan expects them to possibly ever be a title challenging team again, at least not in the near future. So making Europe for a team like Leicester is, is what you'd be looking for really. Um, Top half at the absolute least, but you'd want to be in Europe. However, Given that it looked like Champions League was going to be an absolute given for a decent portion of this season, if they somehow don't get it, I would say that it's a disappointment because they have literally thrown it away if they don't get it. Mm. Um, Even though that would maybe have been overachieving by itself at the end, at the start of the season, now we're at this point, it feels... I think my thing with Leicester is... Even if they scrape the Champions League, whatever happens, they're going into next season a horrendous run of, run of form. Something still mm. needs to change. Like, Very good point. If they go into the Champions League group stage playing like this, they're, uh, they're not going to do particularly well. And they're not going to do well at the start of the... The thing that baffles me, really, with this collapse is that, as you say, with them being out of cups, they've not had like other competitions, really, to... no. To massively take their focus, yeah. So again, which is why, which is why at the start of the season you look at it, and you think, yeah, they could, they can make a real shot, a real run at this, and they just, and, they, and I mean, to their credit, they did, but they're just not doing that anymore. Making, as I say though, making Europa League for Leicester is still a decent achievement. It just I'm won't, sure it, fe- it just won't feel like it because of what they were like at the first half of the season. I'm not sure it is at this point. That's- okay, but I. If you're a Leicester fan, how many Leicester fans this season were thinking, okay, so realistically, no one's better than Man City or Liverpool. So you're not thinking about that. But do you really think you're going to do better than Chelsea, Tottenham, Man United, Arsenal? Yeah, that's yeah, the but point Will's Everton, making. Yeah. Yeah, they should, no, I'm not. I'm not. Argu- I'm not arguing. Yeah, I'm not arguing. Period. Yeah. Not. Not arguing. You. I'm not arguing for the the thoughts and aims of the Leicester fan in the street. I'm arguing for the thoughts and aims of the football people around the club who know football, know what an opportunity is, and will have taken one look at a slightly dodgy United. Questions around if their best one of their best players in Paul Pogba is going to play. Questions about Chelsea. Questions about Arsenal. And you're probably thinking, right, Tottenham, Liverpool, Man City, us. That's what you're probably thinking. If you're going into yeah, the Europa League when everyone else is having a transition season, what are you doing building for the top four like they so clearly are? You might as well sell Madison and Didi now. Yeah, I, I see your point, but I don't know. I still sort of see it both ways. I still feel Leicester as a whole making Europe's not not necessarily a failure if that is the European League, is the Europa League, but obviously with the position they were in, not making the Champions League will yeah. feel like a real kick in the teeth, I would say. Yeah. And again, how are the players going to lift themselves to next season and whatever with yeah. how they've been playing? When um when they're playing a what is it Osterens 
in the round of 78 in the Europa League <laughs> rather than playing Bayern Munich at the King Power. Yeah, that's when it'll feel like an absolute okay, massive, yeah. massive mistake. Yeah. yeah, and quite frankly, I don't care what you say, Dave. I think it's a massive mistake. But I respect <laughs> your opinion. Um, speaking of massive mistakes, they put a lot, spent a lot of money on Ozzy Perez, didn't they? So if you're a big Ozzy Perez fan... Uh, about 30 mil. Yeah, I've got... It's strange to bring Iosi Perez. There's one other player that I always think of with this. So Iannaccio, who they signed a couple of years ago, when they signed from Man City, could in theory have been a long-term replacement for Vardy. I'm mm-hmm. not saying you can ever get any player to do exactly what Vardy does because I don't think anyone can. But Iannaccio had all the attributes and had shown the signs at Man City of being as good a replacement uh-huh. you could look for. He has not... Really, he's starting to look a bit better this year, but he has not stepped up to what anyone would have wanted him to. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's really which means say that when Vardy isn't performing, there isn't someone like Iñacho they can rely on because he still hasn't found his feet. Really interesting. Has he to ever say really that. got a chance though? That's my he's point. because mm. second... Vardy's been so good and he's barely ever got injured. I don't think he actually, apart from the odd cup appearance here and there. He's he's. I don't know. Maybe played a fair amount of times. I think there's. I also think there's a there's, there's something about a difference in context between the Ayanacho and Perez. Did he played? That, he played thirty games last season. Scored once. How many were starts? Yeah, agreed. Some of them. Yeah, like appearances. Appearances to goals mean nothing. It's more minutes to goals. Um. But just quickly, I think there's a there's an interesting context here to both those deals. In the, I don't how many did all all of you look at the Inatra deal for Leicester and think that's a bad deal? No, I thought oh, it was at the time I thought it was a good deal. Whereas at the Perez deal, when the Perez deal was made, I thought he looked okay at Newcastle. What what are there? What's the ambition for Leicester? I mean, am I being harsh to Perez? I've never no. He's I never really understood that one either. He's always been inconsistent. He looks really good for a couple of games a season and you don't really hear about him the rest of the season and that's what he was like at Newcastle. It's not it's not really a statement of intent. Like he scored he scored seven goals for less of the season, I'm pretty sure. Three three one, one, one yeah, one was a hat trick and yeah, he's I, again, as you say, it's not really any statement of intent playing signing a player from a team that's lesser than you in the division who has been inconsistent over like five seasons. Yeah, and but that's that's one of the interesting points perhaps about their season and where it's gone is that at the start of the season where everyone's flying, you can perhaps hide your bad signings a bit more. I remember at the mm. start of um, Conte's second year when before they everyone had realised before Watford away, and with Conte's second season at Chelsea, everything is before Watford away pre that twenty disgusting minutes of Bakayoko. But at the start, <laughs> at the start, you were able to hide Bakayoko not being as good. Um, and it's been this very similar for Leicester this season. Is that they were able when Vardy's scoring a bajillion goals more than he should, it's really easy to hide that Perez is underperforming and Perez is underperformed. Um, I guess the th- I guess the thing I'd say to you, Mike, is um, we just talked about Wolves perhaps needing to to throw whether they throw money, whether they look where they look to recruit. Leicester in the transfer market this summer. Let's assume they keep Chilwell, which I'm not sure if they do. And you're them. What are you? What are you going out shopping for? Well, some of your biggest signings 
they they say it's a bit of a cliche, but it's just to hold on to yeah some of your some of the players they've already got, including Chilwell, maybe Soyuncu, Madison, etc. Um, if I'm going shopping, I think the keeper's okay. You've probably got a couple of centre backs that are decent. You could bring in another one, maybe as cover. Um, depending on Chilwell, you might have to replace him. You you might not. Mm. And then you've got a good striker. Yeah, probably in Perez's position, like a, an attacking midfielder slash winger. Yeah, but they've got Harvey Barnes. I don't get why he doesn't start every single game. He's so much better than Isaac Perez. Wild being consistent, though, like you'd expect a young player to be. Yeah, agreed. But I think Harvey Barnes, to be honest, shows that he could be a really, really good player and exactly what Leicester needs. Yeah. I particularly like Harvey Barnes because every now and then he, he does an absolute worldy run through a goal and then he absolutely sends it to um to the abyss and it reminds you that perhaps one day you could make it as a player. Um <laughs> not you Dave. Um uh, Yeah I don't run got... past anyone to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah. Well might it, it hurts when you say it. If, if any it. If, if any uh, if any professional clubs are looking for some uh, some less talented wing play from Dave and a ball down the line from me, let us know. Um, just quickly, Dave, if you were going shopping for Leicester, um, forward line, is that where you'd put both? Yeah, but again, it's a weird one because Iannaccio is still only 23. Like, he could have one season where he's if he gets... Dave. He's not 22, though. He's 22 until he's 23. Oh, my God's sake. He's actually 23. Um, if he... He could have a season where he actually gets played properly and prove himself. But if you sign someone else, there's no saying that they would do any better. And I don't... don't really know who they could go for through the middle, really, to try and do how they play. Um, I think... A, a top quality winger would help. Damari Gray, as much as I like him, having been Blues, I don't feel he's ever really nailed down a, t- a spot in the team, which for someone that's been there for this is fifth season now, fourth yeah. season, you'd really that. have expected him to have done that now. Um, Mark Albrighton is still pretty decent, but he's quite old. So. God. Mark Albright, his delivery, yeah. to be honest, is still cracking. He's the al- he's he's one of like sometimes I look at a player and I think you were destined in about two years to play left back for a decent team. <laughs> and Mark Albright's been that player for about seventeen years. It feels like I can't believe he's still a Premier League player, to be honest. Premier League winner, thank you very much, Breslin. Oh, I know he is. Um, along with Jeffrey Schlupp, maybe get him back. Um, I guess. Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, go on. You were about to make a joke. The only, the only other thing I would say is a, some sort of backup defender or maybe a younger defender, like a long-term replacement of Johnny Evans, is something they should maybe invest in. I know Johnny yeah. Evans is first. He... Johnny Evans, irreplaceable. You know this as well. <sighs> yeah, I know, but you, you've got to try and replace them. Yeah. You make, a, you make a very good point, though, because I, I've said this entire season that what I thought Leicester's biggest weakness was... was the, Wes Morgan. The, yeah, they were, they, were in, they were joking apart. They were an injury away from playing a 49-year-old Wes Morgan at centre-back. Um, however, I guess the, the final question after the two of you is, if you were going to predict 
out of these two clubs? I know we've already predicted which one would make the top four this season. Which project are you more confident in and why? As, as in is the people who eventually establish themselves as a top four club? Wolves. Leicester. Oh, there we go. Nice debate. Tell me why, lads. Go on, Mike. Oh, okay, fine. I'll go first. Okay, so with Wolves, um, I think that I think their squad as a whole has sort of been building up to. They've been playing together for a while. They've got a good style of the same manager. They've been building towards it for a while, like gradual progress of a. A project I guess already they've been a project for the last three seasons and they keep making progress I think with Wolves they have some very very good players and the thing that I feel with Leicester which makes me say Wolves mainly is they have a couple of players in Madison and Chilwell that if they get poached I don't see how they replace them Jamie Vardy's a little bit of pace away and a little bit of age away from not... I, I really doubt, as much as I love Vardy as a player, I don't think he's ever going to live up to this season again. It's probably his last season at the top, top level. We need to sound clip that. OK, if he goes on to score 25 <laughs> next year, I will get, like, Vardy 9 tattooed on my foot or something, to be honest. That's how confident I am. God, I wish you'd said 20 and not 25. I'm just going to say 25 in the Premier League as well, because if somehow I was to move somewhere else and score 25, I wouldn't be doing it. Um, Frank, Frank Lampard, if you're listening, <laughs> um, in both the games against Chelsea next season, can you play Kepper in goal and play Rudiger at centre-back, please? Thank you. <laughs> um, and the thing is with Leicester is after winning the league, however much no one has ever expected them to stay at the top, very top, Sort of since that, they've sort of been on a, a, a downward spiral to finding what that actual level is. Well, there's nowhere else to go from the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they're not a team that's ever going to be able to chat. No, 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 no. What I, mean I know what you like, mean. I know what you mean. A, a, a very top team can challenge the league every season. No one expects Leicester to ever challenge for the... In this moment in time, no one thinks they're going to challenge for the title. Good point. You've told... You've you've explained very well why Leicester aren't the project. So, are you more confident in Leicester's demise than you are in Wolves? Yeah, to be honest, that is that is more the the confidence All because right. with Wolves, as much as I'd like them to stay together, I can't see Hotter or Adama Traore not being poached at some point in the next couple of years, and they are integral to their their play. Okay, this just in from Dave. Neither project's working. Mike, yeah. why, why is left working? That's what I just heard. Yeah. Um, no, I'm well, saying, I'm saying, uh, Wolves. Okay, let me rephrase. Wolves, Wolves will work. It just might take. Them, Wolves will work. Wolves <laughs> will work. It just might take them. I wouldn't expect them to make top four necessarily in the next year or two. It could be. Three to five years where they become a top fourteen. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to tell the Leicester fans why they should be excited anyway. Go on, Brad. You tell them. We've we've got Brendan Rodgers, good man manager. Shite. Hopefully, hopefully he's better tactically than Will believes. Um, we'll we I'm not even. I forgot to say this earlier. I think Brendan Rodgers is probably not even that good a man manager. 
I'm not even sure he's that good a manager. He won a couple of trebles in the pub league and he got carried to a Premier League title by one of the best performances we've ever seen. And he's bottling the second half of a season here. Absolute useless he, manager. There you are, Mike. Never Carrick. Won a pre- he's never won a Premier League. Yeah, I was going to say, what are you? He got carried close to a Premier League is what I meant to say. OK. Well, he's, he's not going to win one with Leicester either, but never mind. Um, win one. We've got... James Justin, 22, and Didi's 23, Tielemans is 23, Siunchu is 24, Ian is still 23, we've got Harvey Barnes is 22, we've got a young core, we've got Matt, oh, yeah, they haven't even I... mentioned, we've got a young right. core, they're young coming core. through, Wolves are, Wolves are going over the hill, we're just coming, are they? We're just coming up it, you get him some, boom, let's go, the Blooming Leicester, come on. Dorma, Adama Traore and yeah, Hotter are 24. Yeah, Hotter, right, right, we don't right. care about Hotter. Ruben Neves is 23. But, Hotter can play FIFA, that's it. But you would say, you would say of the key the players... The disgrace. Of the key players on either side, both of them are looking at slightly ageing strikers who are key to what they do. But as we identified earlier in the pod... Moutinho, absolutely massive to everything Wolves do. Yeah, he's 34. We'd say that they've got to start looking to replacing him. However, I think both I've, teams have got key parts to, to work To replace. That work, might be out of their control when players get bought for big fees as well. I'd like and to add. It's certainly going to be very interesting watching them over the next couple of years. However... Pick, Will? Ah, don't make silly picks. Don't be silly. <laughs> um, no, I've got two mugs to do. I will. All, I will always. Um, I'll always back Leicester. Yeah, I knew you'd say that. But I think that's more because I used to. I bet back. if I'd back Leicester, though, you'd really back Wolves. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Dave, as I've often said, I've never got an. I've no agenda against you. I just have an agenda against stupid opinions. Anyway, <laughs> if you want to find more stupid opinions, where can they follow you, Dave? Uh, it's at Dave Harris underscore forty four on Twitter. And if you would like to head to the north of England. To find a well, not even to North English. If you'd like to head over to Mikey Breslin's Twitter to find opinions that usually you would only find in the North of England, particularly in pubs. I don't Saturday. think you'd ever find that opinion <laughs> in the North of England. After, after a certain Samba striker might have scored a goal or two. <laughs> I mean, you'd have to go there a quite a lot because you never know when he's certain to score. If you'd like to know more opinions, such as why Joel Linton would be the new Firmino, Mike, where can they follow you? coming next season everyone uh, at Mikey Breslin on Twitter um, it's absolutely not coming <laughs> um, and you can follow me at Will Hunt 17 but please don't please instead follow us at In and Around Pod on all your socials including Pinterest well not really but we'll be there soon um, I apologise for people listening with their phones because that was loud <laughs> it was loud but however it was certainly more nice to listen to than many of Dave's takes from this pod <laughs> <laughs> until next time goodbye